Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hello. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Call to Adventure, designed by Chris O'Neill and Johnny O'Neill. Uh, they are the brothers of Brotherwise Games, uh, and they made Boss Monster. Uh, the artist is Paul Canavan, Chris Cold, Jordan Jardine, Adam J. Marin, Max Budalekno, uh, and Sean Thurlow of Fuse. Uh, it's published in 2019 by Brotherwise Games. The lowly squire becomes a knight of legend. An orphan girl claims her birthright as queen of the realm. A noble turns vigilante when his parents are tragically killed. The stories change, but the themes are timeless. And every hero's journey begins with a call to adventure. <laughs> the mechanics are cooperative game, deck bag pool building, dice rolling, set collection, solo solitaire, and storytelling. And the box art, Kate? Um... All right, so it has it's split down the middle, um, with very dark theme on the left and a light, um, almost looks like Disney World <laughs> on the right, <laughs> but it looks like maybe the same castle, uh, in the background, um, just split with the two, the dark and the light. Um, yeah, so I think it's important to note here that we have all played this game. This this is not actually a first time playthrough. This is uh our three-year anniversary game. Happy anniversary, everyone! Yes. Uh, and we actually played this game. This is our first uh, replay of a game other than Redemption episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, but we played this game all the way back in episode six, uh, along with Wingspan, when we were doing two, two, two games per episode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So We were at uh, Eric's house, actually. We were at Eric's house, and it was over a Memorial Day. Mm -hmm. yep. So why is this chosen for the uh, anniversary episode? Uh, so I think it's 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 a kind of a, a deep dive episode. And I, I think one of the things that we talked about, because I, I actually listened to it uh, this morning while I was making my, my lunches for the week. Uh, one of the things that we talked about really enjoying about it is the storytelling aspect and how each one of us, when we were playing the game... Uh, we weren't making decisions to win the game. We were making decisions based on building our character. Mm -hmm. So I think what we found, I think this might've been one of the first games that we played that had like a, a real like storytelling, like storytelling was a big, not necessarily a big part of it, but enough of a part of it that like, I think we all really enjoyed that, but I think we started picking out more storytelling-esque type games because of this game. Mm -hmm. And I, I, all of us, uh, I mean, spoiler alert, go back and listen to our episodes. They're fantastic. Uh, but it, it's definitely, if you've ever listened to our episodes, that storytelling aspect is something after this that we really enjoyed. And I know uh, this is always my favorite, um, like go to for for birthday games type of things. We also like to introduce it to uh, friends and new players, especially those who uh, like some aspects of storytelling, like D and D or you know other other types of creativity. Uh, we don't really have a how do you think it's played because we know how it's played. So I guess history lesson: uh, the history of Disney castles. 
well, sorry to disappoint. Well, actually, maybe not disappoint you. So call to adventure. I went uh, adventure route. And at first um, I was thinking about adventure literature. And uh, just because of where we are in the semester, uh, recently covered imperialism and like one of the aspects of imperialism was like selling some of the ideas at home. And part of that was um, the publishing of some of that adventure literature. So I dove into kind of the history of that kind of genre. And of course, it's linked to uh, the medieval romance. And so that ties in so perfectly with this. So the heroic romance or chivalric romance, um, this came out during especially the high medieval period, like the 12th and 13th century, as the vernacular languages started to be more commonly used for writing, meaning um not Latin. And so as opposed to just reading theological works or the Bible or, right, uh, you know, old uh, Roman sources, uh, you start to have a more literate nobility and aristocracy. And really, this also starts with uh, William of Aquitaine and, of course, his fantastic daughter, Eleanor of Aquitaine, who also entertained a lot of um, courtiers from uh, Islamic Spain during that period in the 1100s. Uh, but you start to have this whole uh, vernacular language uh, of right epic tales being written and they become very popular. Of course, some of the most common ones that most people are aware of would be the King Arthur cycles. Um, and in fact, recently the green Knight was redone. Um, mm, yep. Mm -hmm. movie, yep. Yeah. That's one of my favorite ones of that kind of genre. Yeah. Um, you know, Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, obviously any Lancelot, uh, Lord of the Cart is a, a funny one that I've assigned in my classes in the past. Uh, but really, so as it's not like romance necessarily in like the modern sense of romance, but more is in these, these epics where there are elements of love, but they're also as much about, um, kind of like secular relationships and fidelity as much as about, uh, you know, the traditional kind of uh, sexual romance type of topic. Um, there's also going to be obviously supernatural and marvelous events in the medieval period. So lots of magic, uh, magical creatures. Um, and then really they're usually in the forms of these kind of cycles. Like it's, they're not necessarily written kind of in our, our modern genres of literature where you have, you know, kind of this crescendo to a plot and then a drop off. There's like all these usually mini adventures packed into kind of one character and they don't necessarily always fall in linear perspective. Um, and so it's it's this crazy, wonderful part of courtly love and romance. And of course, every time I say courtly love, I always think of Courtney Love. I, in my head, I just I, oh, say Courtney Love. Yeah. So I actually had a student uh, make a um, make a gift for me uh, on courtly love and like had photoshopped Courtney Love's head into a picture of Guinevere. It was fantastic. Um, yeah. So anyway, so these types of, these are the tales where you start to have uh, 
persecuted heroines or persecuted heroes. Uh, there's always like some kind of like super villain in them. And so we can see where this comes from, right? And these heroes or heroines have to like overcome like all of these odds. Um, and then uh, their their loyalty is usually tested in some sort of way. And I mean, I think especially of uh, the Lancelot Knight of the Cartel, like one of the things he does is like he has to go through like one, he has to ride in a cart, which would be super humiliating, right, for someone of that caliber. Then he has to cross a bridge uh, of swords. And I always wonder, is it like one long sword? Are there a bunch of swords? Like, is he like walking on the pointy bits? because obviously his feet get all damaged. It doesn't really, it just says sword of bri uh, bridge of swords. So I always like dive into these things in my classes when we're teaching it. Like, what does this really look like? What had, what would people have imagined at that time that a bridge of swords would have been like? How torturous would it have been? And then he has to, he has to fight with his hand, one hand behind his back uh, to save Guinevere. She'd been kidnapped and was like in this tower. Uh, it was just like there's just all of these things. Right. It's like this super fantastical. And uh, for me, when I think of call to adventure, like the super fantastical overcoming all of these odds, like those are things that we just we all really enjoy and that I feel like this game is all about. So there we go. Let's call to adventure i was thinking because eric asked about the do, disney do, do, do. yeah Sleeping i just like the well now the castle at all the disney, disney parks beauties. forced perspective uh, where they built it yeah. so that it looks bigger than it actually is because they'll make like windows at the top smaller in order to make it appear bigger i just think it's kind of cool um all right, so I'll do a reminder for everybody since everybody has played. Um, I looked it up. It was a year ago that we uh, played it uh, on Vorpal Board. Mm -hmm. We've played it since then, but... Uh, okay, so in Call to Adventure, players face challenges and acquire traits over the course of three acts. Along the way, each player's hero will gain triumph points for victories, tragedy points for following a darker path, and experience tokens when they fail. At the end of the third act, the player with the highest destiny score is the winner. At the beginning of the game, each player will get two cards, and they will choose for each of the following, their origin, their motivation, and their destiny. Once all of chosen players will reveal their origin and motivation, but keep their destiny hidden, this will form the basis for your hero's story. The story decks will be separated by act and a number of cards laid out based on player count. Act one will be played face up uh, and all the other cards face down. So there are two types of cards. There are traits and challenges. Traits are gained automatically as long as you meet the prerequisites. But for challenges, you must throw runes and get a required number of successes. Traits gained and successful challenges are placed on their player's story cards based on the act. Act one under the origin, act two under the motivation, and act three under your destiny. All players turn, uh, on a player's turn, they will either gain a trait or attempt a challenge. They may also take any number of the following actions. You can journey, which means you spend an experience to discard one story card on the table and replace it. You can use a card effect from a player's story cards and or play a hero or anti-hero card. A player's current level of corruption will dictate whether they can play hero and or anti-hero cards. To attempt a challenge, check the number on the left 
uh, hand of the card, the abilities used in the challenge will be below the challenge level. Then choose a path. Uh, they will be shown on the top and bottom. This may increase the challenge. Also, if an ally is with uh, the challenge, it will increase the challenge level as well. The challenge level equals the number of successes required. So next you'll gather your runes. So everyone will always throw the three core runes, which are uh, white. Uh, they will also get one ability rune for each rune in their story that matches the challenge, up to a maximum of three, with the third of that type having uh, some additional abilities that you get based on uh, the side that it lands on. Uh, you'll also get to sp spend experience to add up to three dark runes, which will always provide you a success, but potentially could cause some corruption. Uh, apply any card effects and then cast your runes. The core runes will either uh, have either a success, no success, or a no success, but draw a hero anti-hero card. The dark runes will always add one or two with the two results moving the corruption track down one. On the ability runes, uh, they are either one or two successes. And the third rune for each has an additional bonus that does not count as a success or two successes. If you meet or beat the challenge level, you add the challenge and any ally to your tableau. If the challenge is failed, remove the card from the table and gain an experience. At the end of a player's turn, they will replace any cards taken from the storyboard and then the next player goes. When a player gains their third card from an act, they must move to the next. If they are the first to do so, on their next turn, they will reveal the cards for the next act. A player can choose to gain from any revealed act, but must put three cards behind a story card prior to moving to the next. So that I actually realized that we've been playing this wrong for the what? last three years. <laughs> yeah. So we have always said that if you choose a card from the next act, you stop taking for the act that you're on. So if you only have two cards on act one right. and you decide I'm going to go for an act two card because somebody else has opened act two, the rulebook actually says when you do the act two, you're going to put it under your act one card. So you will always put three. So you oh. have to have three before you move to the next. Oh. So whoever finishes the game will always have nine cards. Oh. We've always played. As soon as you take an act, mm -hmm. you can't take from the lower act right. ever again, which is not the case. Mm. Uh, the rule book does point out that uh, the acts get progressively more difficult. Mm -hmm. So it might be difficult for you to finish that act right. if you don't have all the cards for the previous one. So... Uh, the game ends when a player has gained their third card under their destiny card, and each player then gets a final turn. Players will then add up all their points from their visible destiny cards. So triumph is white diamonds and tragedy are black diamonds. Points from story icons, uh, which you can collect. So a certain number will provide you uh, different levels of points. One point for each unspent experience token. All hero and anti-hero cards played are worth one point. Points from the corruption track and finally points from your destiny card. The player with the highest destiny is the winner, and each player then describes their character based on their story cards. And that's those are the rules as a reminder, because I know none of us forgot. <laughs> well, let's adventure. We just finished a game of Call to Adventure. To recap, uh, BP had 22 performer points. I had 26 adventurer points. Kate had 
46 uh, hunting. hunting points, and the Kiwi had 48 vengeance points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, winning strategy, Dark Knight. Um, yeah, I just went dark. I, well, I, I mean, I don't know if I ever have a strategy with this game. I just try to pick cards right. that tell a good story, and I don't really worry about winning, which... Funnily enough, was the exact same thing I said last time. <laughs> and then Eric got upset that I accidentally won. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much held really? true again this time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've won at this game before. I mean, it, it helped that my destiny was like, get dexterity, get constitution, which I did anyway, because the I just went for those because, you know, they were, they were good. But then the other bit was like play or get, car, get story cards that were dark path so like it, it helped that i forced my character to go darker and then i was yeah, able to i think that was my problem because my destiny was like one of each symbol which is both mechanically hard because like it kind of it benefits you to get a bunch of a certain type because the harder challenges are hard to do without that but then yeah. story-wise it's kind of hard to like uh, jump from like, okay, I get this one, or it's like, you know, like I was adventurer, so like I didn't want to take, there were a couple ones where it's like, you join the army and you do mm-hmm. things, and I was like, well, that doesn't really fit, I'm an epic adventurer, and so like those mm-hmm. probably would have gotten me the dexterity and, and the wisdom points that uh that I didn't end up getting till the very end. So Yeah, same, I tried to go for a story, which... My, I knew my destiny card needed me to go dark, but there were so no dark cards. Well, Kiwi took them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was specifically going for them, but it also added. I, I felt like it went with my story. Yeah, I got a really good motivation with my uh, my destiny card, and they just kind of yeah. worked out. So. Yeah, yeah. I tried. I just flipped at the end or yeah. tried to. And then like my destiny or my de- my motivation card gave me a bunch of points. Mm. The uh, driven to despair, but it made it to none of the triumph points counted for me no matter mm, what. So yeah. it's like that drove me dark as well. And it just worked really well with my destiny. Um, yeah, I think in the beginning I was picking cards based on story, but I abandoned that for points, actually. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to be honest. Yeah, and I, I actually misunderstood my fate. I thought that the... I, that's why I asked this like twice and I still wasn't sure. I thought that the dark and the light acted against each other. So I thought my fate meant that like I had to choose either one or the other. Um, So I was hesitant to play the uh, hero cards. But I don't think it would have made a huge difference. But I did have one that I could have played to help me in challenges that I didn't play. All right. Uh, what do you think of the theme, Kate? Um, yeah, I, uh, it's a very strong theme. I mean, because it's a storytelling game. Uh, yeah. So you, yeah, it's hard, really hard to ignore the the theme when you have characters and you're choosing cards that um are challenges and building on your story. I feel like we've said this before, though. That if, I mean, you could play this game straight up for points. Like you could ignore story. Like if you were. Even if you did that, it'd actually be fun to just play for points and then try to make it a story at the end. Cause that's kind of like almost more of a a fun story writing challenge to be like, okay, here's all these random events. How do you Mm -hmm. turn it into a coherent story? So that would actually be a fun way to play too. That's true. 
But you have to turn it. I think that's the brilliant thing about this game. Just thinking about theme is just coming up with like random stories. Like how do you weave almost like the randomness that comes out at you? (laughs) It almost sounds like life, right? (laughs) Into like a story. And uh, I don't know, maybe because my job and I always think like an historian, like maybe this is just what humans do. Like then we want to weave that into like some kind of epic tale. Yeah. I always felt like there was enough out there that you could play either way. Like, yeah, I think there were a number of times, I think Kate was really the only one who journeyed. I think Eric did once, but I felt like there was enough options and there were different options. And obviously it's all going to be luck of the draw, right? You Mm -hmm. can draw five cars that just really don't work for you. But, um, I felt like there was usually a choice that worked well with the story, but there was also sometimes a choice that would work well if you were just going for points and Mm -hmm. playing. Um, I felt like there was a lot of variety and most of the challenge cards with the two different paths offered you two different ways of responding to whatever that challenge was. It reminds me of those like choose your own adventure books, you know, in a game mode that would appeal to, I feel like, a lot of different people because you could do so much with it. You know what I mean? All right. Uh, table presence, BP. Cards are great. They're, I think I said this before, too, when we played it. Kiwi will correct me if I'm wrong. But um, each of the cards is so individualistic. It's got a great scene in the middle. Uh, They're pretty straightforward on like some of them. You have a top or a bottom that you could play for. Uh, All the symbols are clear and uh, all the art really ties into even the box art. So it's got that straight theme running through it. Yeah, I think my only complaint is the way the game has you put the cards underneath. Mm. So like you You have this great art and then you cover up the pictures. But because of the way the cards are laid out for the challenges with the top or bottom, uh, you would definitely have to. Mm. uh, I mean, I guess you could lay it out so that you just cover up the bottom part and leave the art if you really wanted to. But it'll take up a lot more table space. So there is a way to play it to show that. But the way the rules have you do it, you cover up a lot of great art. So that'd be my one complaint, I think. Uh, my my biggest complaint is on Tabletopia. The, the runes aren't fun to roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a shame. Yeah. That's actually what I was going to say, because you commented that I wouldn't have that opportunity, or I haven't had that opportunity yeah. yet. So I'm very, I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. They're just fun to roll. Mm-hmm. It's also good table presence, because like when you walk by and people are just like rolling runes, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's just like, ooh, what is going on there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's way more fun than dice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mechanics, Kiwi? Yeah, the, I think the runes are like one of my favorite parts. Because, I mean, in reality, it's just a bunch of coin flips, right? But they, like that, the putting those runes together and they have like a nice tactile feel to them. Mm-hmm. And like you shake them up and you get that sound and you throw them. I always feel like the witch from the 13th warrior. <laughs> Yeah, throwing the runes, like pushing stuff around and like, you know, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my favorite. It's just an interesting, like they took a coin flip and made it interesting. Yeah. But there's also storytelling is built into this. I'm still, so I did not realize when you were reading mechanics the, this time around, or Eric was actually um, cooperative. Yeah. So there's a cooperative mode where oh. everybody kind of works together to defeat a like an adversary, I think. 
Oh, that sounds fun. Why haven't we not done that? Because uh, I like the way that we play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the adversary's deck. Huh. Yeah, there's like a quest card that like the adversary plays off of that, those quests, uh, and then you do different things. The, uh, the Stormlight Archives one has you... Like that's how you play it if you bought the Stormlight Archives standalone version. Mm. Uh, one of the things you do is you pull out an adversary and it, it becomes like something. You, it's kind of like um, um, role, player role player where you have the, the giant monster at the mm -hmm. end that you're trying to defeat. Um, the adversary kind of does something similar, but it has like ongoing effects like you would see with the other adversaries in the game. Like the tyrant one mm -hmm. that was like, hey, mm -hmm. anytime you take a dark path, you have to go down in corruption. So, I want to play it that way sometime. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's like, ah. Yeah, I was like, I like the way we play. I do like the way we play. That doesn't mean we can't try something different. Sure. Uh, yeah, so that's what the co op is. Okay. Uh, rules. I mean, we've learned it before, so I don't. Yeah, I think the only thing that I, and I realized it when I was going through the rule book again, just to, you know, write out the, and I didn't even go back to see what it, what it looked like in the original when we first did this back mm -hmm. in episode six, but realizing that you continued to play in an act, even if you took a higher act card, um, if you're going for story, some of those higher act cards might make an interesting addition. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't think it, I don't think it broke our game at all. I think it, you play out similarly mm -hmm. because you end up falling behind anyway, which is kind of what happened to BP and I, because we failed a couple um, but yeah, other than that, the rule book's laid out well. And I, reading the rule book, I think it's pretty easy to understand. Um, I mean, and you've taught it to several I've taught groups it, before. Yeah, I think I've taught it like three or four times yeah. to different folks. So, yeah. And like I've already said, that all, I feel like all the labeling on the cards is pretty straightforward. I think, though... Uh, there are sometimes some questions. I know Kate asked yeah. several times about some of them, which is is fine. And I don't think in a game like this, sometimes even showing those cards that you have questions necessarily negates, unless you're like a real cutthroat kind of player. There's still so many options in so many directions. Like, I don't think... I mean, if you have a card that directly plays against somebody else, it'd be... Mean. Yeah, but I mean, I guess if you're just two players, but when there's four, it seems like there's just so many options. Like, I don't know. I think if I knew Kiwi had more like prevent you from completing a challenge cards, I would have played differently or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think uh, the, the anti-hero cards have a lot more mm -hmm. like yeah. uh, affect other players. And some of the hero cards also have that. But generally that when you play a hero card on somebody it usually helps them and then provides mm -hmm. you with a benefit. Yeah. Whereas the anti-hero ones, it's definitely like you get a point and you make somebody else like try another yeah, challenge or redo a challenge. It's a lot more take that-ish mm -hmm. than uh, the hero cards are. Yeah. Um, uh, which is the player interaction. So, I mean, there's really not much other than those uh, yeah. hero, anti-hero cards. Mm -hmm. um, and some of them are take that. Some of them are... Pretty minimal. Um, let's say you don't tend to pay too much attention unless people are doing a challenge and you have one of those cards. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, otherwise, it's the interaction really comes from the storytelling at the end, I think. Or if you're building your story throughout. 
Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what we generally like about it too. While we're playing it is, is that storytelling. It's not just at the end, but there's like the conversations during the game where people are talking about like, Oh, my story is this. And then, I mean, I, I enjoy when it's like, Oh, but you have this card and this card. It'd be really cool if you did this one. It's like, mm. yeah, I don't know if I'll succeed, but you know what? You're right. I'm going to try it. And like, I, I like that those pieces of playing that game. Yeah. 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 No, I just, I agree. It's not super interactive. You really could just focus on what you're doing and ignore. Mm -hmm. But if somebody says something like, you know, I'm going to take this animal companion, like you're going to pay attention. And Uh, would you do we say, would you play it again? Would you? I mean, I feel like it's a well. So the the one that uh, so I think generally and I already filled in for three of us. I was I hadn't filled in Kate. And the reason why is because I remember the last time we played it, mm. we played it on Vorpal board. So it was a very different feeling. So I went with this mode instead so that uh, everybody had a lot more control over their cards, which I felt like we didn't have when we played it on Vorpal board. Mm-hmm. And I, I I remember that Kate wasn't super. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> into it as the rest of us. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put it like that. So I was going to leave it lead it to Kate. Because I know BP is and I answer to would we play it again. Right. I'm pretty sure I know Eric's answer to would he play it again. So Kate was the only one I wasn't sure about. Yeah. So Kate, Kate, would you play it again? And also, would you recommend it to others, I guess, with a deep dive? Yeah. I I mean, we skipped over the how was it learning the game. But I was like, I feel like I can still answer this because like, oh, okay. I was okay. still, yeah. like I was still learning it. Um, cause the first time I think playing on Vorpal board was kind of hard for me. I think that took away from it. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, this experience was a lot better. Um, I could had more control over the cards, like you just said, so I could understand them and try to figure out what I was doing. And I did have questions about the symbols, but everything was clear enough that I feel like I could ask questions without giving it away. Um, like mm-hmm. it wasn't like, um, what's it called? Is a bonfire with the symbols. Yeah. We so, had no yeah. Idea what, this <laughs> what is this symbol? You would just okay. have to show yeah. you that, right? Yeah. So yeah, I would play it again and I would recommend it. I would say this Perfect. is still one, like even on Tabletopia, like this is a good in-person game. Yeah. Because like it's, yeah. I think like we said, the interaction comes from sort of the table talk and yeah. it's just, it's mm-hmm. hard to see what people are doing. It'd be a lot mm-hmm. easier if you're in person, you're just looking, but like. I was looking at my cards to see what mm-hmm. I had, and then I wasn't paying attention to what other people were doing. And it, yeah, I think this is plus again rolling the the things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think this is just a good in person game. I don't. It's not bad. It wasn't at Tabletopia, but, I, but... I, I was still a little bit more focused on what I was doing, whereas I think mm-hmm. in person I would be able to yeah. enjoy it more. All right, so that's call to adventure. So if you would like to hear our impressions on any games please send them our way you can do so via email first turn tabletop at gmail or twitter and instagram at first turn cast and the podcasting camel as he's like looking dark on the left white on the right he throws his runes and he says please don't forget to rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers we look forward to hearing from you play more games All right, so I came from a family of settlers, but 
uh, I didn't take well to the life of a settler. And as I grew up, I became more and more rebellious uh, living in the city uh, or kind of pushing myself into the city, ignoring the the farming uh, mm-hmm. bits that we had to do. Uh, I became a little bit, I learned to fight dirty and became a criminal. Um, my family kicked me out mm-hmm. and uh, I was driven to despair. I became vengeful um, and I was forced uh, because of some incidents in the city, I was forced to leave. I was driven on a, on a harsh journey across a, a desert. Um, and in the process, I nearly died. But then I was uh, saved by some supernatural powers. Uh, and I was able to uh, harness living flame um, because I was saved by uh, a, a warlock, perhaps, um, who I then became his hand of vengeance. Um, which didn't go well for me. And so uh, I am attempting to plot my revenge on that warlock because he gave me abilities that at the time I wanted to live. And I didn't realize the pain and suffering that it would cause me and those around me. That's that's my story. All right, Kate. Um, As a hunter, I, um, as a novice hunter, I needed to train as a killer. Um, but I naturally excelled in my in my studies. <laughs> uh-huh. And with those skills, I um, escaped my pursuers and um, then went on to sue the savage beast. And uh, then things went dark. Um, <laughs> I, I turned to crime. <laughs> I uh, became a crime lord and took over a gang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and uh, I don't know. I did an act three here. Um, <laughs> it, I guess I um, tried to go to the high priest to, you know, solve some of my sins. I don't know. I think it's an adversary. I think you killed the high priest. Oh, I killed the high priest. <laughs> okay, yeah, that 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 works too. <laughs> um, yeah. And you moved up the ranks. So you took over a gang, and then you took over a whole guild. Mm-hmm. Yep, and. Uh, you know, in my position, tried to restore balance by killing the high priest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's how you do. And, yeah, and then just left everything to fate. That's why I did okay, but didn't didn't fully succeed. All right. Uh, so I was a uh, sailing thrill seeker, but then uh, my my ship went up in flames. But I I survived due to my brilliant planning. Uh, which was, you know, I always had a good, I was a safety officer. So <laughs> I always made sure I knew where all the escape boats were. So I was ready to go. Uh, and then during the fire, I uh, I discovered uh, some sort of dark artifact, uh, you know, swimming to shore. Mm. Uh, you know, as one does there, in a bottle. Um, that's where you keep your, your dark artifacts. Um, and it was very brave of me. I, I, I got that artifact and I decided to go on an adventure and I went to discover the unknown. Uh, which was an unknown land ruled by a vicious warlock. But I had an occult secret. I had that dark power, that dark artifact, and I used that to overthrow the warlock, uh, which then his gang of uh, warlockian bandits, um, a troop of them, if you will, uh, came after us, but we repelled their attack. And uh, in doing so, I, did, I unlocked uh, uh, my magical power, which had been growing this whole time. And uh, I, be- I became an archmage. Uh, which I then uh, won the favor of the queen 
and I looted that whole castle and ran. <laughs> it failed my, uh, I was supposed to be a hero of destiny, but, uh, you know, the greed got the better of me and, uh, I, I, <laughs> I failed my destiny, but I'm rich. I was one of the youngest children in a big royal family from a land far, far away. I was going to uh, go into a convent, so I had studied. I'd become very spiritual. I even had a, a spiritual guardian, which was my actually my animal companion, a unicorn bunny. <laughs> we were close, um, but I heard music one day, and I decided I need to follow my heart and became a performer. So I changed my name, didn't tell anybody where I was or where I was from. Uh, but I did swear to protect my family's name and honor. I mean, we may have been from a frontier uh, land, but we were a very honorable old family name. I inspired. I was honorable. I could climb up on stage and I could get anybody and everybody to go forth. And then I suddenly needed a little bit of a favor. So I paid one of the local lords a little bribe to get me into, into some favors. And while I was blessed, blessed with so much, I suddenly, that favor, it sent me down this path and I succumbed. All my spiritual training, I suddenly noticed the dark side. I did. I succumbed to dark magic and I really tried. Uh, the force of darkness came upon me and that was it. 